Welcome to Nicosia Uncut, prepared and presented by Andromai Sophocleus and Kemal Baykallı. In this episode, we discuss how the Turkish Cypriot right-wing UBP party has finally chosen a new leader and elections are coming soon in the Turkish Cypriot community. The Turkish Cypriot politics have been on the global media because of the video scandals of the politicians and links with the mafia. We also discuss Erdogan's deteriorating popularity before the presidential elections in Turkey in 2023 and the internal conflict in the governing DC party ahead of the presidential elections in the Republic of Cyprus in 2023. Welcome to Nicosia Uncut. Welcome, Kemal. How are you? Hello, Andromahi. How are you? I am fine. See, now we kind of get to have the best of both worlds. So we can actually meet in person, but at the same time record our uh, podcasts online. So there's, because there's this time is by using choice. using the technology every okay. now and then. When it is by choice and not when we are forced to. So, so Let's start with some good news, huh? For a change. Yeah, I think for the change, we have something uh, positive to share. So um, let's start with what we were just reading about um, uh, the travel guide Lonely Planet that has included Nicosia in the top 10 cities to visit for 2022. And uh, interestingly, the project that put Nicosia in this list is United by Sound, which is an initiative by Home for Cooperation, a place where we spend <laughs> considerable amount of time, uh, which was, uh, if, if our, our listeners do not know, Home for Cooperation is located on the Green Line in Nicosia, and it is aimed at uh, fostering intercommunal cooperation, peace building, and intercultural dialogue. And uh, through the United by Sound um, project, they use music for peace building and social change. And in fact, during the lockdown, if you remember, they had uh, brought together 40 musicians and created the song The Time is Ripe. So it is an impressive fact that Lonely Planet took into consideration this issue and put uh, Nicosia on the number six of its list describing it as Europe's brightest capital and a multicultural city with a rich history and cultural heritage. So, Home for Cooperation is one of the places that we really like to go all the time. And it is the place to go if you're visiting Cyprus. It's in the buffer zone. You can actually check their social media. You can find them also on, on, the, on their website. And their cafe is also uh, unique. It's a place where we find ourselves easily uh, meeting friends. And then, you know, it's a nice place to be. Apart from that it's a place for uh, intercommunal cooperation, it's a nice place to be. For anybody who have never been, uh, who has never been to Cyprus, I think if you ever come to Cyprus for the first time, you must definitely visit Home for Cooperation. It's a place to be. I think Home also sort of put, put life into that uh, area. I mean, if you didn't have home, you know, you have the Lidra Palace, which has the bullet holes on uh, on the walls from uh, from during the, um, the war. And then suddenly this place that is uh, fostering peace building and coexistence uh, appeared and it, it changed the setting, it changed the mood uh, in the area. And uh, we kind of wish there were more home for corporations all across uh, the island and that the authorities on both sides put effort into creating these spaces so that 
it wouldn't necessarily have to be a, an initiative by an organization. You know, on the other hand, it's um, it's definitely a, a safe space, an aquarium, if you like, for those who are interested in such work. And uh, it's sad that uh, in cities uh, which are located far away from the division line and they don't have such facilities or contact with the other community. But, um, you know, it is unique in the sense that Home for Cooperation is, apart from providing a cafe and, and a shared space, it has offices, it has uh, places for conferences, and uh, it's, a, it's a multifunctional uh, place. Most of the time, if you are meeting someone from the other community or if there is some sort of a meeting, if you want to, like, have an interview with somebody, you automatically think of Home for Cooperation and you don't think of other place. You know, Talking about cooperation, I think um, I have also one good news. The Technical Committee on Cultural Heritage in Cyprus uh, has received a dedicated service and Grand Prix awards by Europa Nostra. And uh, this is one technical committee who have been working thanks to the efforts of the people who are really dedicated to make their work. They're restoring many historical uh, places in Cyprus, uh, cultural uh, places in Cyprus, and uh, they're really dedicated in, in their work, and uh, we are really grateful that they exist. For those who do not know how the technical committees work, the technical committees are actually established within the Cyprus uh, talks process under the, the, the leaders. But uh, generally, whenever there are, um, let's say, stalls, if, if there are interruptions in the talks if things are not going well the technical committees also stop this is just one ex exception i think the fact that they are also supported by internationals by undp um, they have been doing great work restoring the common the riches of cyprus yeah i think that at the time in which politics uh, has brought us to a situation in which our monuments and our cultural heritage is crumbling apart. It is heartwarming and I, I honestly believe that we owe a lot to the Technical Committee on Cultural Heritage. It is heartwarming to know that there is a committee that is working out there um, and tries to sort of set aside the obstacles that politics put in the um, when it comes to restoring uh, our, uh, our monuments. And they do it, and they are yet another example how basically private initiative and the personal passion of a number of people keep some things from falling apart, basically, be it uh, literally or be it symbolically. We also need to underline the fact that besides the dedicated team members, it is also um, supported by UNDP and uh, European Union, I think, in many occasions. So this is something that we need to also underline and express our uh, our gratitude that they're, they are doing this. Um, of course, Nikosia and Katiz... No, I, it's just a question. I honestly wonder how many Cypriots don't know of the of, of the work that is being done. Uh, we referred to Home for Cooperation before. You've got the case of uh, the Cultural Heritage Committee. You've got the the the, the people at the Famagusta Avenue Garage, another by communal multi-communal project on the Green Line. I'm wondering though, how many Cypriots? We no, also have the base by Cyprus Inno, um, which is a startup center and the shared spaces. Yeah, but how many Cypriots know about this? How many Cypriots are engaged with this? How many Cypriots understand or feel grateful towards the 
cultural heritage committee, for instance, are we aware? Do they know I about this thing? I, I think in main cities like Nicosia and Famagusta, maybe some people know about it. But outside Nicosia, if you're living far away, if you're living in Morfor, in Paphos, probably you are not necessarily very much involved. Maybe you hear um, these names, but you don't know, you don't experience it if you don't go there. And this is one negative outcome of having a, a, a green line because a green line is... is a line that separates people, but it's a place where sides come together. It also brings people together as well. So it works both ways. We wish there were, there was no green line and then there was only, um, uh, you know, a united country. And then um, these things do, do not necessarily happen only in, in, in the green line. And the, the advantage of it is that because of the um, different procedures uh, when one wants to cross to one side or another, the common spaces in the buffer zone also uh, make it accessible for those people who find it difficult to cross to the other side, to cross and, and, and go, go and experience. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it, these things take, take time. It's, um, I think, more and more they're organizing cultural events, concerts, uh, exhibitions, trainings, conferences. More people will uh, eventually have access to it. I'm just always eager to be doing this wake-up call and reality check, let's say, because sometimes we are immersed in this little bubble and the, it, it is good to be taking a step back and to looking at the society comprehensively in order to really grasp um, the state of the society. Since we are talking about the common work and uh, the shared spaces, I think we also need to underline the fact that there are similar uh, projects and initiatives like Cyprus Dialogue Forum, who, which which has been um, active for uh, for I don't know how many years now, maybe five, six, seven, and they managed to um, collect a, a very good uh, literature on on the work that has been achieved, the convergences on on the Cyprus talks. It's just one of the work that they have achieved uh, product. And for those who have never checked it, uh, go and check on uh, just Google Cyprus Dialogue Forum and then you can find their website and you can find a great literature. They also uh, translate the, the Turkish uh, Cypriot and Greek Cypriot media uh, daily to English. So uh, for those who want to follow the media on both sides of the divide, they can go and check from their pages as well. And uh, if any of our listeners is technically apt, uh, <laughs> uh, get in touch and maybe we could uh, think of a project of trying to simplify what is presented in the Cyprus Dialogue Forum uh, political guide regarding what has been achieved in the negotiations. Because, and this is something that as, as peace activists we often discuss, the issue is getting the information down to the people. And if we can uh, simplify what is being uh, tremendously well uh, summarized in the Cyprus Dialogue Forum uh, booklet, then I think that would be an even greater achievement. Since we are talking about the politics <laughs> now, <laughs> I think maybe we can uh, discuss a little bit about the developments on both sides of the divide. Shall I start? Yeah, I think uh, a lot has happened in the Turkish Cypriot community. Brief us about them. Tell us about the Turkish Cypriot uh, UBP elections. And we are all in. In a nutshell, the leading right wing, the biggest political party, had a leadership race, which was um, <laughs> which came to the front pages because of the 
the race, but also apart from the fact that it, there was a race between um, uh, candidates, uh, there has uh, there has been um, there have been many um, scandals, um, and I think it was all over the place. We don't have to repeat. One of the candidates who happened to be the former leader of the party and the former cabinet uh, leader, the prime minister in the north, he got uh, his his video uh, his uh, dirty video came out, and then of course this brought the discussion how much the mafia is involved in the Turkish Cypriot politics. And of course, in relation to that, we all know that Turkey has business interests, especially certain mafia and certain business groups in Turkey. They have um, certain business interests in the north and they have connections in the north. So they all try to manipulate the, the elections. In fact, the leadership election was going to take place months before, uh, almost a year ago, I guess. And then it was very funny that the two leading candidates who went to the second round they suddenly resigned from the party race due to the pressure that came from Turkey. Apparently, some group within the AK Party government didn't like the running candidates or the, the one who, who just won the elections uh, yesterday, the day before. So they interfered and the both, can, both candidates had to um, step back and the party secretary general uh, had to take over and then suddenly he found himself in the leadership role and he liked that role and he didn't want to give up so there was a lot of discussion about the involvement of Turkey the involvement of mafia the uh, how much uh, you know and of course there is this famous Turkish mafia leader who escaped from Turkey and who started a kind of a struggle with Erdogan's government and uh, you know um, and his ministers and attack him uh, from abroad and he actually became instrumental he wanted to use the the race in UBP to hit uh, the AK party in Turkey so it was all big mess eventually nothing was going on all policies had to wait no no laws have been passed the government was couldn't even meet in the north so there was a big chaos and finally, um, after months and months of delay, uh, the guy who was leading, uh, Dr. Faiz Sujoğlu, he is an MP from UBP, uh, won the elections on Sunday and he is now the party uh, leader. And at this moment, while recording, while we are recording the podcast, he's visiting the all, all uh, Turkish Cypriot political parties which are in the Turkish Cypriot parliament to form an election uh, government, which means that they will agree on an election date, probably uh, not going to be later than February 2022. It can even be earlier. And then until that time, they will jointly agree on all the laws that they will need to pass, uh, the urgent ones which have been waiting, so that it will prepare uh, north uh, to the, the elections, and then there will probably elections in, in the in north in as early as um, probably January or February 2022. Kemal, Talking about elections, yeah, go on. Just what would you uh, respond to a number of Greek Cypriot analysts and journalists who basically presented Sujoglu's uh, win as a quote-unquote defeat of Ankara? Uh, they they kind of said that the Mr. Sujoglu was not the favorite of Ankara and that... Um, the result was basically a defeat for it. What would you respond? I knew that you were going to ask this question because this is something that we need to touch upon. I think this is an exaggeration. I don't think anybody in UBP will challenge Ankara in one way or another. Clearly, 
Sucioğlu was not um, AK Parti leader's favorite. Having said that, however, I don't think that they were looking him as somebody that they need to eliminate for sure. And also we need to understand that within AK Parti, within the AK Parti circles, there are different power groups as well. So AK Parti is not necessarily a, a one force where, you know, yes, Erdogan is the absolute authority in, in AK Parti. Uh, but um, let's say that there are different groups within AK Parti which had business interests in North Cyprus. So I don't think that there was such a big micromanagement from Erdogan's side. I think he knew what was going on. But I think, uh, and, and probably Sujiolu wasn't the best, um, the favorite for of, of him. But I don't think that it's it's a challenge. It's it's a win against Ankara. I think uh, Mr. Sujiolu or any other candidate will be needing um, will be needing Ankara to work with to pay uh, the salaries, to continue the investments, to be able to to, to really govern in the north. So, um, and then also traditionally, uh, I don't think any member in UBP will be challenging Ankara. It's just, I think it's something to do with the fact that AK Party wasn't even um, in a good shape either. I mean, I don't think that AK Party is in a situation to take things under control as much as they used to do they are also in trouble in turkey the latest uh, the latest polls have uh, demonstrated that erdogan uh, is losing vis-a-vis uh, -vis all other potential candidates so everybody's wondering what kind of a, a trick he will be doing to change the, this trend Uh, the main reason why people are very unhappy about uh, Erdogan's uh, government is because um, of economy, you know, and uh, eccentric behavior that, uh, you know, he has always been challenging everybody and everything. And then <laughs> I think people are fed about this. I think they just want uh, some uh, reasonable leader, um, regardless of the political uh, orientation. And uh, even according to a latest poll, even the AK Party members have not been approving the way he was uh, governing the matters recently. Having said that, um, this doesn't mean that they are not going to vote for Erdogan. I think Erdogan will try to fix things. Um, yes, there is a big devaluation and uh, currency fluctuation. But I think Erdogan is hoping that this will bring some extra uh, export uh, for Turkey. So hoping that maybe it will bring some more income in the coming months and uh, in a year until the elections. And, you know, knowing Erdogan, he always comes up with some tricks Yes, and the But question is, what what will these tricks be? And I'm sure everyone is discussing, will it be Cyprus? Will it be the Eastern Mediterranean? Will it be something that uh, has to do with domestic politics? These you are tell us about Eastern Mediterranean. What's going on? Well, in the Eastern Mediterranean, I think things are like we summarized them uh, the previous time. We, we have a lot to see. Yet, uh, towards the end of November, beginning of December, um, ExxonMobil and Qadar Petroleum will start drilling in Block 10 in the internationally recognized exclusive economic zone of uh, the Republic of Cyprus. We expect that the drilling will take place. Uh, we do not anticipate any sort of uh, ob objections by Turkey. In any case, it doesn't fall, Block 10 does not fall within uh, the claims Their of claims. Turkey or 
of uh, the Turkish Cypriot community. What is everyone waiting to see, though, is what will happen with the Enian Todal drilling in Block 6, um, which is supposedly due to take place towards the first months of 2022. I need to remind the, our audience that back in 2018, February 2018, Eni had, um, uh, Turkey had obstructed the drill ship by Eni that was due to drill in Block 3. And no drilling, in fact, has taken place by any or total since. So we are waiting to see what will happen in that case. And uh, as we said the previous time, I believe that... Uh, this is a power game for Erdogan. It is not about it is not about the the gas in place. This is about Erdogan pointing and making it clear that no development will take place in the Eastern Mediterranean without his approval. We saw that when he obstructed the service for the Eastman pipeline um, of the nautical geo research uh, vessel a few weeks ago. So I believe that this is a matter of uh, Erdogan's desire to challenge the the Republic of Cyprus energy plans to make it to make the zones a bit grayer to tell uh, the Republic of Cyprus that you know you might be drilling but we will also be drilling in parallel and to uh, and to basically not allow the Republic of Cyprus to proceed with its energy program without either Turkey continuing its own program or interfering in uh, the Cyprus energy program. So we have a lot to see uh, regarding this. And having said that, though, I do not believe that the situation in the Eastern Mediterranean, at least with regards to Cyprus, is such a big issue for the domestic public in uh, in Turkey. I don't know. What would you say about this? Is this a matter is a- that is significantly important for the Turkish community? I think there is a tacit agreement of the international community of the US and the EU mainly is to handle Turkey with care until 2023 elections. I think they are going to tolerate some degree of an eccentric behavior by Erdogan, who's trying to play games between Russia and the West. And uh, he has many things on his plate. They also have many things on their plate. Turkey is having problems when it comes to buying um, the planes, uh, jet, jet fighters from the US. And uh, because they were, uh, because of the uh, sanctions, they uh, they cannot buy uh, F-35. So they are trying to buy uh, F-16s. On one hand, uh, they are trying to solve this issue with Americans and Erdogan's latest meeting with Biden was not glamorous. I don't think that they have achieved anything. The other thing that they need to sort it out is the involvement of Turkey in Syria and what role Turkey will be playing. Um, It's a combination of different um, strategic uh, alliances there, but uh, Turkey is kind of cornered. On one hand, they allied themselves with Russia, but Russia is not necessarily helping Turkey in Syria and then bombing the positions of Turkey's allies in in, in nor- northern Syria. So, um, and, uh, and Americans are also um, not happy with the way Turkey is trying to build links with Russia. But at the same time, Turkey is uh, selling uh, drones to Ukraine and those yes. drones were used 
to attack uh, <laughs> yep. targets that were defended by Russia. And then uh, the foreign minister in Turkey made a statement saying that, you know, we cannot be responsible. We just assault them. You know, it's the responsibility of the buyer, whatever they do with the... So it's kind of, they were kind of trying to uh, defend themselves. Libya is there. Turkey doesn't want the Republic of Cyprus or Greece in, or in a possible Libya but... conference. Uh, that too. And we were talking about the fact that Turkey was trying to mend relations with Egypt and Israel, but how will this be happening? So I think everybody in the international community is waiting for Turkey to get rid of, of, of Mr. Erdogan and then choose a new president so that they can reshuffle the cards. Cyprus is not in the agenda, on the agenda, but the drilling issues, the drilling concerns, the other um, the possible crisis can always happen in Ismet. And uh, especially when, uh, you know, there will be elections in Turkey, you, you never know what kind of an eccentric behavior um, Mr. Erdogan will, will show, demonstrate. So um, that's, uh, that, that's the latest. I think it's important to highlight what you said about the, uh, Cyprus not being on the agenda, because it is not on the agenda. You, I think you described the situation aptly in, in the sense that there are so many things going on uh, that... Uh, there is no room for Cyprus to be discussed, even when it comes to drillings. In the in in the last move by Turkey, when they uh, obstructed the nautical geo from uh, from doing the service about the East Med pipeline, the European Union barely responded. Um, Israel, even that is also a key player in the East Med pipeline, which is mostly a pipe dream, but that's for another podcast. Uh, even Israel did not even. Uh, make a single announcement on the issue. So you see how the situation has basically tired the international community. And as you presented all the other issues that are now at stake, I think they will mostly be walking on a tightrope in their relationship with Turkey until 2023, when everyone hopes for a change. And Environmental yeah. activists and uh, green parties from all corners of the world have been trying very hard in the last couple of decades to put the environmental and um, issues on the agenda, agenda and global warming particularly. And uh, finally, finally, it reached to the top level of the international elite, finally understanding the importance of it or they are forced to. And still, yes, um, it is not uh, in an extent that everybody, the activists, ex expected. So while these things are happening, wh while the international community at the highest level meeting to discuss about global warming, we are talking about uh, fossil fuels and, you know, drilling um, the <laughs> ocean uh, floor, the, 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 the seabed. <laughs> And, um, you know, I, I don't know how relevant it is. So it's I totally agree with you in the sense that Erdogan is seeing it as a power game rather than an economic game because they also um, apparently they found some uh, resources in Black Sea close to Turkish coast. So, um, but again, for, for, for Mr. Erdogan and, and uh, his allies, 
please remember that he's allied with the nationalists in Turkey. It is important to save face and then to 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 use this as a, for an internal consumption. And this is what he has been doing constantly, especially recently with how he tried to um, declare 10 ambassadors persona non grata, how he has been trying to, again, use this uh, reconciliation uh, step back from that decision as, as an internal victory. He's always trying to use foreign policy developments or external developments for the internal consumption. But I don't think that people are buying it anymore. What's going on in the Greek Cypriot <laughs> politics? <laughs> I think... Today it is worth talking about the crisis in the leading party DC, uh, the Democratic Rally. And uh, so just a bit of a background. I, I think we mentioned in the podcast before, it is clear that we are already uh, in a pseudo-election period. Uh, uh, presidential elections are not uh, before uh, February 2023, but it seems that the candidates are gearing up. <laughs> and there are these jokes about the Democratic rally leader, Averof Neofitu, who is going around villages and factories and industries and the agricultural sector, restaurants, and he's, you know, connecting with the base, as he called it. Um, I like to interrupt here because we are also making similar jokes for Mr. Tatar, going and visiting each and every Turkish town and city and talking about some irrelevant matter, mainly Cyprus problem, and then goes and tells off about the those um, ungrateful Turkish Cypriots who, uh, you know, who want to live with the Greek Cypriots and he's a real nationalistic, he's a Turk, he's a son of the Ottomans and then everybody's making fun of him because you know, last couple of months, I think he spent more time in Turkey than in, in Cyprus. And then it's it's very funny when he returned in one of his trips, um, one of the labor unions uh, made a demonstrations protest on his way and then put some banners, welcome back to our country. And then, you know, you are very welcome. So <laughs> treated him like a guest. So um, I think at, at least Mr. Averov is visiting <laughs> villages and places of in, course, Cyprus. in Cyprus. Of course, to be honest, I don't know how how appropriate it is of a very, very rich person to be going around these places where people work. You know, when you go to the construction sector and you put your helmet on, there are people who go to that uh, construction site every single day to work and they face problems. The number of uh, accidents at construction sites have tremendously, I mean, has increased uh, in the last uh, couple of years. And I, I think it's kind of disrespectful by politicians to be trying to be putting forward these gimmicks. Um, it is disrespectful towards the people who uh, work in these professions, the people who cater, the people who work in the construction sites, who the people who work in agriculture. It is disrespectful because by going there, spending a day doing all the theatrics, etc., you don't understand and you cannot appreciate what it means to be working in such places. And people are not interested about this 
I, I, I don't know, to be honest, if people are interested in this. I would hope that people would see these, these actions uh, with reservations because the, the, the issue is the real-life problems of all the people engaged in these uh, sectors. But in any case, so we've got this touring around by uh, Mr. Neofidu, but at the same time we have a parallel uh, touring around, let's say, of the Foreign Affairs Minister, Mr. Nikos Christodoulidis, who himself is spending a significant amount of time mingling with people in the various villages in Cyprus. And a lot of people are talking about um, a, a conflict between the two as to who will be the candidate of uh, the C for the 2023 elections. Interestingly, a number of high-profile um, uh, DC uh, MPs have come out and they said that it is clear that the first say, according to the constitution of their party, the first say is uh, always uh, on the on the leader of the party. So you had finance minister saying this, you had former finance minister, Mr. Haris Yoriadis, saying this, you had the, the spokesperson of, of DC, Mr. Dimitris Dimitriou, also saying this. So they have chosen to come forward and say this in a way that one that, that makes one think that it is kind of a message to Mr. Nigos Christodoulidis and his own uh, personal ambitions for uh, to run as um, as uh, as president. Um, Mr. Nigos Christodoulidis has not made any statement on the issue. Um, according to a latest article in Politis, I was reading on Sunday. He is engaged in this parallel presidential sort of election spree, uh, but he doesn't come for. The president Anastasiadis also said that uh, uh, the decision lies primarily on the on the leader of the party. So if the leader of the party wants to run, he should be able to run. Um, but the most interesting development was um, Mr. Haris Georgiadis, the CMP. He appeared on a show... On, on CYBC, Rick One, Prodian Imerosi, with the journalists Stavros Kiprianou and Stavrian Kostandinou. And there he said that he discussed the issue with Mr. Christodoulidis two months ago, in which Mr. Yoriadis made it clear to Mr. Christodoulidis that if he would like to run as a candidate, he had to go through the party procedures and uh, he, he said explicitly that it would be unacceptable for Mr. Christodoulidis or for anyone to run as an independent. So that was a clear message that was sent by the, the, one of the highest ranking MPs in DC to uh, Mr. Christodoulidis, basically telling him, do not run as an independent if you're thinking about it. And yeah, Mr. Yoriadis even encouraged the journalists to ask Mr. Christodoulidis this question. Um, and it, it becomes clear that basically Mr. Yoriadis, who would be well suited if um, Mr. Averov would run in the end, um, it becomes clear that they basically want a statement by Mr. Christodoulidis. They want Mr. Christodoulidis to uh, indicate his intentions. Uh, so we are at this stage now, and uh, we will. What be about following. other names? What about uh, do, do we have any other names circling around, or like do we hear any gossips, or openly or secretly? No, I think it's what we mostly know. So it may, it's lawyer Mr. Achilles Dimitriadis who said that he is spending this period from September till uh, January to be deliberating with the public and with people on the ground, and he will decide uh, in January whether he will run or not. 
Um, we also have uh, Mr. Mario Siliadis is, is, is a candidate that has uh, stated his intention. Who is he? He's a, he's a, a corporate lawyer. He used to be, he used to be a minister um, in the 80s. He he was a member of the negotiating team of the Republic of Cyprus until recently, actually. Yes, and he indicated his intention to run as an independent. So uh, we shall see about that. And then we also have Mr. Christodoulos Prodopapas. It's his... Uh, an obscure name in the sense that not many people know him. He also said that he wants to run uh, in the elections. Um, as far as I know, he's a man mostly affiliated with the church, to be honest. And then we also have the former rector of the University of Cyprus, Mr. Kostandinos Christofidis, who has this movement, who is behind the movement, um, the other Cyprus, Yali Kipros, and he said that the movement would like to run with its own candidate, but the movement has not decided on the candidate yet. So this is the setting. Um, Akel is still uh, looking for a candidate. It seems increasingly possible that Diko might ally itself with uh, DC in the case that Mr. Averov Neofidu would decide to run. So... That would be interesting to see, but I think it's still a bit premature to to discuss about these issues. The most interesting part, though, is what happens in DC because that part uh, also influences other issues. It influences the leaks that come out. It influences, you know, I mean, when there is a parallel uh, conflict of power in a party, a lot of things happen or uh, leak or I don't know what. So that's a battle that is worth looking out for. Well, I think that uh, basically settles the program, the summarizing, uh, you know, the, the issues that we discussed uh, previously before the program. And I think we uh, it is now uh, safe to say goodbye. Um, anything else to add? No. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, the listeners, and uh, thank you very much for all the feedback that you you, you sent us and uh, for uh, listening to us. I know that uh, listening about Cyprus problem and Cyprus politics can be a little bit boring at the times when there are no such issues in the global agenda or even in the local agenda. I think everybody is busy with... Uh, with elections coming up in 2022 and 2023 and possibly after that we might be seeing some new developments and I think that is the end of our program for now. 